I have started my recording. I am watching my waveform move. Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the TryGames.net podcast. Very good, Al. I am your interim host, Al, the Antipode. <laughs> why, why are you talking to somebody? I don't know so why. Many... <laughs> I, I have this big, like, cheesy smile on my face for some reason. <laughs> it's not like I've never hosted a show before, but right, right. Uh, I would just like to <clears throat> introduce our uh, two as... Senor Austin would say, ladies. I'm no lady. I'm a ladies' uh, man. One lady from Boston, or near Boston. (laughs) Hello there. I am a lady. Your your voice, your way of speaking is infectious, Al. (laughs) That's and now we have a Japanese lady. Hey, I get Mr. Chupon. I'm not a lady. I get the ladies, and I'm actually in Japan right now. Yep. So I'm overseas. Yeah, it's like. I don't even know what time it is here. It's uh, one fifty four a.m. Wow, one fifty four a.m. One fifty four eleven fifty three in the New York side of the world. One fifty four a.m. Episode one fifty four. By the way, I'm still working on editing episode one fifty three. So, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be like next December, and I will have already been returning from Japan by that point. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel a little bad because I said I was going to record a trilobite on our week off, but then I noticed that you were still like two or three episodes behind at that yeah. point, so I was like, I don't think I really need to record one. Yeah, no, that, that was a good move because then I would have been like behind, way behind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, this episode, due to uh, Japanese time constraints, <laughs> not, due, not due to popular demand. And due to popular demand. There we go. Uh, we are going to switch the... Uh, the segmentation of our podcast, or oh. as I just listened to in the Cleveland show, Flip the Script. Flip the Script. Um, <laughs> which led into a really, really funny rap by Cleveland. But um, I heard about that. Oh, that was hilarious. I was cracking up over here this morning. But anyway, uh, we are going to have a discussion first, and then we're going to uh, do the What You've Been Playing segment. Well then. So uh, I think we're going to open up our discussion with the... Uh, first topic that Pete introduced, which is relating to pre-orders at GameStop. Pete, why don't you read this since you wrote this and you're so eloquent? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read what I wrote in my own voice. Or you can just paraphrase (laughs) and recreate the story in your own voice. All right. Um, Well, now it's going to be hard for me not to read it because it's right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, So my manager at my place of business had asked me, uh, we were just like hanging around. I wasn't busy. He was like, Okay, so I work at GameStop, yeah, Um, (laughs) and uh, he asked me, what would it take to get me to pre-order games, or like, what do I like that uh, about pre-orders that like makes me pre-order games and stuff, and I basically flat out told him that as someone who is kind of like more like heavily invested in the industry as a whole, uh, that I am kind of in line with the way people like us feel where we think pre-orders are kind of a scam, and that it's stupid the way GameStop pushes them and makes you feel like you're not going to get the game if you don't pre-order, things like that. And most people know that they can just walk down the street to a Best Buy or something and get the game. Um, But to answer his question, uh, 
I did say, like, I mean, I also told them, you know, I don't know how a normal Joe Consumer feels. They might, like, they might actually like pre-ordering games. I don't know. But for me personally, what I like to pre what, what makes me pre-ordering a game is if I can get something tangible that is, like, interesting to me. For instance, uh, like, when they give out a t-shirt with a pre-order or something. I like gaming t-shirts because I'm a dork like that. Yeah, um, you are. Yeah. Uh, so if usually if there's a gaming t-shirt, even if it's a crappy shirt, uh, if it's a game <laughs> I was interested in, per- if it's a game I was interested in pre-ordering uh, or purchasing eventually, then I, I'll just pre-order just to get the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, or so like they don't really do this anymore. I, I don't know if they've ever actually done soundtracks, but I did say that that would also be a good uh, pre-order bonus. Actually, Fallout Three may have done that. I got that one um, from Castlevania um, Portrait of Ruin. Oh, see, yeah, like, and that's awesome. Uh, like stuff like that that's actually useful in another context is like usually an interesting pre-order bonus. Whereas things like uh, in-game items or you know uh, just in, in pretty much in-game anything uh, that doesn't really change the game and that is limited to people who pre-order this i like this game. I hate that. Uh, like exclusive pre-order bonus items are stupid, and most people hate them. So uh, that was kind of my response to them, and so I kind of wanted, I kind of made me think, you know, what, like, what would make people like us, the like hardcore gamers, people that are, are interested in the game industry, not actually hate the idea of pre-orders? What could GameStop do, or any business, you know, that does pre-orders, do to like, uh, or offer us to make us not hate the idea and think that they're just you know, think it's just a big scam. Right. Um, and also, my the, just real quick, the second part of my question topic thing was that what uh, do we think drives the normal person to pre-order and just be okay with it? But uh, I guess we should start with the first part, like how, how we feel about it and what we think would change our minds. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make this, I'll try to go quick. Um, it's not so much what they offer, but the concept behind it. And I think that it, it, it let me put it this way. Like, hardcore anything, whether it be, you know, for gaming or for music or for movies or whatever. Like, someone who is a huge fan of whatever medium that, you know, we're talking about, tend to be cynical. A little bit more cynical about things than usual. You know what I mean? That's what makes them... They, because they, they kind of look at things at, from, from all angles, right? And then they start to, to dissect things. And they, they tend to get more angry at things than the normal person does, right? True. So, the concept of, if I wanted to walk into your place of business, Pete, <laughs> and pick up something on day one. I can't because the, the register biscuit says, Oh, did you have a pre-order? No, you should have pre-ordered. We don't like being told what to do. We don't like being told that we can't get something just because we didn't pre-order it when we really shouldn't have to pre-order it. Why do we have to pre-order it at X GameStop or whatever when we could walk into a Best Buy and get it day one, right? So it's like, why are you... Why are you telling me what to do? Why are you like imposing this restriction on me when you really should be, you know, treating me like a customer? Um, and this actually, you know, maybe I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I think this is why average Joe doesn't really care because they, average Joes just don't really care about that much in the first place, right? So they don't really care that they're being told to pre-order. They think that pre-ordering is actually a benefit to them because they get to reserve their copy or whatever. And they don't, they probably don't, you know, even think about it enough to realize that you could walk into a Best Buy and get it on day one. And you know, it, or anywhere, right? Or anywhere, and I think that's kind of what this may sound a little bit um, demeaning, and I hope it doesn't doesn't sound that way. But and, and that's not how I mean it. But you know, the average person just doesn't care. They're fine with whatever. They just want their thing. They don't care if you know 
they, they, they're not too cynical about it. They're not like, they don't get all up in arms because again, they just don't care. So that, that's why I think for when you separate the segments between like a, a casual person, a mainstream person and someone who's quote unquote hardcore about anything else, that's, it, it's more the attitude that like, why are you telling me what to do versus, eh, I don't, eh, I don't care. Pre-order safe. Sure. Why not? So I don't think there's anything that they could offer me extra that would get me to change my mind. I mean, I have ordered, I have pre-ordered things in the past because like I'm a fan of certain content, but that those are kind of like whimsical decisions. Those aren't like, you know, I don't make the, I, I don't, it, it's not on principle that I decide to pre-order or not to pre-order really like, and again, like kind of like Al said, you said that, you know, if you're sure that that's something that you want to buy. Um, oh, I said that before we started. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we said that offline. Yeah. We said that <laughs> offline. But you know, if, if it's something that I'm sure I'm going to buy, like I'm never sure anymore these days because I have such a huge stack of backlog games. So it's like, I shouldn't be buying stuff anyway. Therefore, I'm not going to pre-order. And if I'm going to order something, it's going to be from a retailer that has a cheaper price, such as Amazon online, or um, I don't even know if Best Buy really has cheaper prices, but I know that it'll go down not in the anymore. future. Not anymore? Okay, so uh, that's my spiel. Alright. Um, I'll throw my two cents into the pot. Ting, ting. Throw, throw. Uh, <laughs> throw, throw. Oh, uh, threw my 20 yen. <laughs> now it's like 18 yen. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. So, um, eighty six, eighty six dollars for for uh, eighty six dollars for what? It used to be, you know, no, 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 a dollar for a hundred yen. Now it's like yeah, ninety and a half. It's that's it, what it was last. No, 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 no. What is? I'm sorry. You pay a dollar, you get a hundred yen back. Now it's you pay a dollar, you get eighty six. Eighty six now. Go former wow. George Bush economy. Well, I know, but it was ninety and a half last week. I, I, I. Yeah, I listened to the radio and yeah, I was man. driving to work, and they were talking about stocks and stuff, and the value yeah. of the dollar was ninety and a half yen. I said, "Damn!" Yeah, I remember when shit was a hundred. Um, you forgot Poland. Yeah, so on topic, uh, <laughs> I I hardly shop at GameStop anymore anyway, but when I do, um, I usually shop for things that I can't find anywhere else anyway, like mm. uh, certain games that other people don't sell because they're niche or. Uh, anything by Atlas. Old. Anything what? Anything by anything Atlas. Anything by Atlas. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Anything by Atlas. Um, games that are old, game, certain packages like this, something I need to get at GameStop, uh, the Devil May Cry pack, which is 1, 2, and oh, 3, since yeah, they don't sell yeah, 2 yeah. anymore. And even though everybody says 2 sucks, I'd rather play it and give my own diagnosis on it. Sure. Uh, and all three of those for $30 is a really good deal. Yeah. You're getting it for a discount price anyway, so why not just throw it in, right? Like, if you bought the regular Devil May Cry 3, you'd still probably spend $20 on it, so why not? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's little things like that I can get at GameStop. But when it comes to new games, uh, granted, I don't really buy games much anymore because I have so many old games that I'm still trying to play. Like, for example, I play Mass Effect, which came out two years ago. Uh, I when I do, I I don't feel the need to pre-order anything, unless <clears throat> one of the three conditions satisfy. One is that I was going to get it anyway, which mm. is what Austin was saying. Because honestly, if I am going to get something, and I know this is the number two condition, uh, I know that I'm not going to be able to get it for less anywhere else on day one. Mm -hmm. Um, then why not? You know, put the five dollars down. Or usually, I don't even put $5 and I pay for the whole thing. 
Right. And then right. I just come in the hammer receipt and pick it up, pick up the game. Yeah. And the third condition is whether I whether it's going to be feasible for me to actually get the game when I'm when it's going to be available because of something that I'm going to talk about in a moment. But usually, since I work overnight, I'm not going to be in the vicinity of a GameStop unless I'm going to work. And then after that, I have to do something for two hours to, you know, buy the time between when I get off of work and when GameStop opens. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, if I'm going to do a pre-order, I'm going to do a pre-order near my job. I'm not really going to go home and then go out of the house and then go to some other store with people who I don't really know and yeah. have them talk to me like I'm some noob and <laughs> you know because a That's lot of times you know, thing. people don't know you they, they kind of think you don't know anything about Wait, games and let, let me let know, me jump in for a second there That's another thing yeah. it's not it's not about pre-orders but it's about GameStop Yeah like they they treat you like that and it's just like dude do you know that we run a website <laughs> Do you know that I write for a living I know my shit Yeah that that's another thing that's that that's something that I think kind of uh turns me off from GameStop because I can have a conversation with the guy behind the counter and the or girl behind the counter and they may not think that I know as much as I do about video games or have been involved in the industry for so long. And then when I make decisions to buy certain games, like for a great example, I went to a GameStop on 145th Street and Broadway. Mm. And that's, you know, an area, it's a Spanish neighborhood, um, kind of, you know, ghetto hood-ish type. Mm-hmm. But the people behind the counter, you know, it was, I was speaking to a Spanish guy. And uh, I bought Chrono Trigger, D-Blob, and Violet Commando. Mm-hmm. And when I asked him for Violet Commando, he said, are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's telling. yes, I'm sure. I... <laughs> Like I've read up on it. I don't care. There's something that I don't I like care about what it. they say about the game. I'm this is my I I know what I'm getting into, and right. he was like, "All right, you know that's cool." But that conversation could have been. It, I've seen people try and talk other people out of getting games. And it's like, why are you talking people out of buying a game that's going to help your a your? Well, you don't have commission, do you? Pete? No. Yeah, but it's going to help the bottom line for your store. And your name is on that receipt when you sell it. So at least the the manager knows that you're, you know. Right. And and so, you know, a lot of times I I see that and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, maybe they're trying to get you to spend your $50 on something that you may not come back to the store in two days and say, I don't want this. Right. But a lot of times, you know, some people know what they're doing. I I went by in a commando and out of those three games I bought, the only game I played, two completion. is by Commander. Yeah. See, the thing is, I, I feel like I feel like I, I hear or see the opposite where, like, I'm actually grateful when a clerk is like, are you sure? Because then that means that they're not really just trying to shill something on me. And I'll be mm-hmm. like, I'll be like, you know, yeah, I appreciate that. But I am sure because of X, Y and Z. But it's when it's when they, you know, see someone buying something or someone asking some uh, about something that's either questionable or just whatever that either they say like, oh, yeah, sure, it's great. And then they try to sell it to you. Or if it's a question, they'll be like, they'll answer it in the most like kindergarten way possible as if you won't understand what they're saying otherwise. And it's just mm. like, dude, just talk to me. Talk to me like, uh, you know, like I know my shit. And if I don't, I'll say so. <laughs> true, anyway. true. Um, so now I'm trying to get back on to what I was going to say. Oh, yes. So yes, one thing I don't like about pre-ordering mm. is the fact that GameStop 
only orders games based on mm-hmm, pre-orders. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways. You can pre-order a game and come for your game the day after it comes out, and it may not be available because they sold your pre-order off to somebody because you didn't come in time. Or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you cannot pre-order the game, go there day one, tell them, I want my game. They ask you for if you pre-ordered. You say no, and they go, no, well, you should have pre-ordered, like Austin said. And it, it sucks because you never know what situation you're going to fall into. So when you pre-order your game, you have to be of the mindset of, I got to get to the store when it opens. Or I got to get to the store before they close. Because if they don't, I might not get my game. And, and then and if that... you're... No, go ahead. Finish. Oh, finish and then if you didn't pre-order, then now you're of the mindset of, should I waste my time going to GameStop? Or should I just go hit Best Buy or go hit Target? Target might have it. A lot of times, Target, they don't get their games uh, on day one. They get their games like maybe a week after, but there are a lot of high-profile titles that they get on day one. And sometimes they have them on sale. So uh, I, it's it's yeah. weird. It's I think what I was gonna jump in with is just the 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 concept of pre-ordering means if you put your reservation down, don't give me like a day. Like if I put a reservation, at least give me a good week to come in and get it. True. I've heard like and I've heard stories enough. Yeah, and I've heard stories about people like not giving the whole week. They like give a day, and then like it's funny like when I go in and I'm like. You know, do you have this? And they're like, did you pre-order? I'm like, no. And then sometimes they're nice enough, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of going against the principle of pre-ordering. They're nice enough to go and look and it's like, let me see if there's a copy. No, there are no copies. Let me see if there's someone who hasn't picked their game up. And I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't want them to do that because this person put his money down. He should get it, not me. Exactly. Of course, I don't actually say that out loud because I'm a greedy motherfucker. But <laughs> it's like, all right, uh, that that yeah. was uh, Joe Brown's game. Uh, give me that. Yeah, it's Sorry. not like a restaurant where you have to be there on the date. You know, it's an it's an item, and they should hold it for you. Mm-hmm. As the employee, I just wanted to like uh, interject here with just what the actual policy. I, I understand that this stuff does happen, but the actual policy apparently is that uh, when you pre-order something, it the store is supposed to guarantee to hold it for uh, the store that you pre-order it from is supposed to guarantee to hold it for two days um, from the day of release. So I'm pretty sure that means uh, the day of release. I, I think that means the day of release and then the day after. I'm not sure if it means the day after that, if it's like day of release and then two days, or if it's just two days. I think yeah. it's the uh, day of and the day after. Yeah. Um. And I. I mean. Yeah. I. I. I agree with Austin. You know. Sometimes they just don't fucking follow that policy because, like, I before I've worked there, I've uh, pre-ordered something at a GameStop one time and went in actually on the day of release, and they told me they didn't have my copy. Uh, because they, like, I didn't admit it, but obviously they sold it out from under me because someone had come in earlier that day and they just gave them a copy that they had sitting around to, yeah. to not cover all their pre-orders because in their head they assume that not everyone is going to pick up their pre-orders, which is, you know, kind of stupid. Um, it's the same thing that, like, you know, like, kind of like airlines do with overselling and then, mm. you know. Yep. Um, but, uh, it's uh, not all GameStops are like this. I mean, the GameStop I work at now seems to be pretty good about that. And, yeah. um, like we try to make it clear to customers that uh, we do only hold the game for two days after the pre-order. Although people like it is confusing for you know normal guy consumer person because with a game even with a game like Modern Warfare Two, you know the the biggest game first day sales in history, whatever. Uh, people huge. who had 
people who had pre-ordered it were calling the store like a couple days before, like making sure that they were going to be able to pick up their copy day one and oh. that we were going to have their pre-order copy. Like I can't tell you how many calls and people came in the store asking that because they were legitimately <laughs> worried <laughs> that their copy was not going to be there. You know what I, I think, honestly, maybe – I don't know if you've heard it for any other game, but you do know that Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 was broken by GameStop. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know yeah. maybe they were calling because they were concerned that maybe your GameStop was selling off mm-hmm. copies early to other people. That's a good point. But then point. again, I, they would call and ask, uh, can I go get my copy? Right, today? exactly. We did have the calls. from. I did know about some GameStop's breaking street date and stuff. Yeah. And just in general, like the, you know, worldwide broken street date mm-hmm. of that game. But um, we had the people come in asking about uh, if we were selling it early, which our store wasn't. And then we had the other people who were just at making sure they were going to get their copy, but they did not imply in any way that they were like, thought that we were selling it at ah, that time. Okay. So I, I think it was just uh, two different groups all concerned about their game. <laughs> Thank you for calling um, GameStop where we buy or sell used games. This is Pete speaking. You can pre-order Modern Warfare 2 for that's releasing on 11 10 2009 <laughs> yeah, how, how can I help you? Long um, intro. I wanted to answer uh, the two questions really briefly because I only uh, have brief, brief answers for those. Um, sure. Honestly, the only thing that get me to pre-order uh, a game at GameStop is if uh, it was going to be cheaper, which is not, uh, because GameStop doesn't sell new games at a discount because they don't make enough money off of them in the first place. I believe. Yeah, that's right. true. Uh, like, even a $5 discount on the game would probably completely cut off their profit. Yeah, yeah. it's, like, it's only and like a $5 would profit. that all I'd ask for. Right. Especially for $60 games, which I don't buy at $60 anyway. Um, and then the second thing that would get me to pre-order a game is if it did come with some kind of bonus that I liked. And there are games that I've pre-ordered because of particular things like uh, Guitar Hero Metallica. I pre-ordered that because I wanted the second bass pedal, which I haven't used because I don't have a Guitar <laughs> Hero drum set. But I have the pedal. Nice. And I theoretically could sell the pedal because I probably won't be buying that kind of <laughs> drum set. But That's, anyway, yeah. oh, um, hero. in terms of the average Joe... Um, I don't know. The average Joe, they, they'll pre-order based on, like, just being convinced to do so. I think that there really isn't anything that could sway someone definitively who doesn't really have that much of an interest in the, uh, the industry as such that a game comes out and they want it. They, I don't think that they can really grasp the idea of, well, if I don't pre-order it, I can't get it from here. Because that idea just means, well, I'll just go somewhere else and get it. Right. Um, so I, I don't really have an answer to the average Joe part. Okay. PT. All right, well, I guess I'll go into the, my thing then. As uh, as far as the average Joe one goes, I'll start with that. Uh, the I, I'm pretty sure, like you said, it's just that uh, we like the employees of these stores try to do such a good job of convincing the people that uh, you know wouldn't know any better that if they don't pre-order it that they're going to have a hard time finding it somewhere else they're and that's going to be sold you. out everywhere and um, yeah most of the time that's not true but uh, the problem is like I'm just going to like say flat out here like you know the employees of GameStop hate having to push pre-orders but it's what our job rely yeah. like depends on I, I totally um, I totally sympathize with that by the way it's like you're being forced to do something you don't want to do but keep going right so like in a way it's like you know we don't want to rook the consumer but we 
need to keep our job. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you have to talk out of your ass. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, as f pretty much any GameStop employee that I've like come in contact with during my time working and not working at the company uh, has been, you know, not happy about having to push pre-orders. Like, I don't mind like helping. Like, I'm all about customer service and stuff, and I love helping customers pick out the appropriate games for them. And you know, if they want to pre-order something, I'm like happy to like do help them with that. But like, when my job relies on you know just that thing, like. It's, you were talking before about you know like selling a game, tell, talking a customer out of the game looks bad for the bottom line or whatever, and then like you know you should sell it because your name's on the receipt. The company doesn't care if you sell games or not. All they really care about you doing. The only thing you're really judged on is your pre-orders and edge subscription. Oh really? Numbers. Wow. Oh that's man. Crazy. So it's really just those two things. Wow. Yeah, like it used to even be used game sales. Um, mm. but when I uh, was checking my number, I like I hadn't had a lot of pre-orders in a certain day, but I had sold a lot of used games. And uh, my coworker slash assistant manager person told me that those don't even matter anymore. It's really just the reservations Jeez. and subs now. Um, so you know, for everyone that hates GameStop employees, you have to realize that you know they're trying to keep their job. Bobby Kotick um, wants to take the fun out of selling games. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I think most of the like average people like going, they're like, you know, they're not stupid. They're they're not gonna just. Most people can't be talking to pre-ordering something they weren't interested in to begin with. So like, if you ha if if I happen to mention a game that they were considering, then uh, you know, they I might try to let them do the uh, do the the brain work themselves into figuring out that hey, if I just pre-order it, then you know I can get my copy here and not have to worry about it. Right. Um. So I don't really know. I guess that was a that was a bad question to put on here because as none of us are the average Joe consumer, it's hard for us to understand what makes them just go in and be like, "Yeah, here's my money. Do with it what you want for the next couple months." <laughs> um, and maybe they don't even like you know they probably don't even realize that that like they don't think about that. They don't think about you know all I'm doing is giving them money to make interest on for the next couple months. That thought probably doesn't even cross their head when they're putting down their pre-orders. Um. But uh, then as far as the first part goes, what would make me uh, like not hate the idea of having to pre-order something? I don't really know what they could offer me. Like I've already said, I like t-shirts and soundtracks. But like I still know in overall that pre-orders are just a way for this, the company to like make all that interest and stuff. I think uh, if there was – I mean I don't know. It's – hmm. I don't think there's anything they could really do because, like Al, you mentioned the price drop thing, but they can't yeah. do that. Nope. Uh, maybe if they, you know, right now they're most stores are trying to get clear out. They're definitely trying to clear out their Xbox games if they still have any, and pretty soon they're going to be trying to clear out their PS2 games. Maybe if they threw in a free used game yeah, with every pre-order, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, like that could help clear out their inventory and, uh, yeah, and make. I would definitely start pre-ordering games if they, even if it was like, uh, you know any used game $10 or less. There are so many good PS2 titles that are now $10 or less. Sure. Um, but, uh, I mean, unless they, other, other than that, unless they started giving out, like, cupcakes <laughs> with every pre-order, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever not like the idea. You want some um, red velvet with your game? <laughs> simply because I know what the, what the, their motivation is behind getting people to pre-order. Uh, I understand it's a business and they want to make money and stuff, but the, outcome of that uh, desire is that they have to like force their employees to yep. force the consumers yep. to pre-order and, and you know, nobody likes them. it and you know if I don't get enough pre-orders in a week I could lose my job 
and yeah, that and that sucks. Weak. Taking the fun out of selling games. Yeah, um, I, I will say, uh, you know, knowing that we have to live in a world with pre-orders, you know, that some things that I do appreciate is one when they and, and forgetting about how shady the whole trading practice is and all the pro- that's all they make their profits on. Let, let, forget about that for a second because it is shady, but like people do want to trade in their games and when they do things like trade in xyz games towards the purchase of this pre-order and you get an additional xyz credit back i like i i think that's cool i mean i mean never again never mind the fact that i don't like the trading business in the first place like at least they're giving something back for 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 the consumer to use even if it's peanuts it's still like well you're going to trade in your thing anyway and you know to to incentivize a pre-order will give you some fake money back for you to use and that's kind of cool and the other thing that i you know when i when i say appreciate i mean more in the sense of i understand um in this particular instance that's coming up i know that you know to stay as a boutique shop you know it, it only deals with games so it's, it's it's a niche store and in order to make sure that they meet the demands properly you know to make pre-ordering is all about like how much how many people are interested in this Okay, we have X number of people interested in this. Therefore, we should order X amount of copies. Now, never mind the fact that yeah, they probably should order more than they do, but um, at the very least, it, it's it's a sound way of at least you know thinking about the business plan of all right, well, we're not going to order like a zillion copies of this Atlas game because nobody gives a shit about that. Maybe like five people do, but we'll have those five people taken care of. And so it's kind of like it's kind of like the mentality that Dell uses with like just in time inventory. You know, we're not going to have a stock of parts sitting and rotting in our warehouse Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we know what the customer's ordering and we're gonna get them asap but we're not gonna sit and sit on this hardware let it collect dust lower in value and then not sell it so i understand that aspect of it you know it's 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 really just kind of the attitude and just the 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 knowledge that you can get something elsewhere unless it's like by from software or something so you know anyway uh yeah that's that's about all i have to say on that (laughs) I do want to mention real quick just to end this out that like it's becoming like there you know there was a time when uh when <clears throat> GameStop was pretty much the only place that took pre-orders right but now other businesses are getting into it and like Amazon does video game pre-orders and usually especially for big name releases like I don't know if anybody noticed but the Modern Warfare 2 pre-order on Amazon you got a twenty dollar credit for pre-ordering it that's, like, that's so basically really good yeah you're basically getting the game for forty bucks um so. GameStop definitely needs to figure out something mm-hmm. to compete with that. Otherwise, people eventually people will, like the average consumer will start realizing these things. And uh, you hope like, so. I, we hope GameStop, so. GameStop, yeah. And then GameStop will hopefully realize that they need to change their stuff. Yeah. There was something uh, I wanted to mention as well about that um, with Amazon in particular. Uh, they do pre-orders, and their pre-orders will be of a game that is less than retail. And their policy is that if the price goes down before it goes on sale, you get that savings as well. But if the mm. price goes back up, then you don't have to pay that price. You, you pay, pay what the, you ordered for. You pay what you paid on the price. Right. right. Most of the time, <clears throat> the price goes down another couple of dollars before the game comes out. And you save yeah. even more money, which is absolutely nuts for Amazon. And GameStop should look at that as well. Right. I love but Amazon. They so speaking of changes, should we change to other topic? Oh, segue. Go ahead. You could do that. Changes. Oh, am I <laughs> introducing the other other topic? Sure, it's your topic. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
I can't remember. Do you have the 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 thing I wrote in the email? <laughs> One second. Oh, I'm sure. I'll does. find it for you. And I, I do remember what it was about. I just don't remember how I worded it. Um, I got it. It was basically about. Oh, you found it? Yes, sir. Just one second. I will paste it into the chat for your reading ass. There we go. Ah! Okay. <laughs> I was thinking about the Cataclysm expansion for... Wow. That is World of Warcraft. And think about how we'll probably once again give dormant players a reason to get back in for another 6 to 12 months of game time. It got me thinking about what could other non-MMO games do to rebirth themselves like that. Sean Elliott mentioned once on a GFW something like what if Rockstar took GTA 4 and put out a patch that made the whole landmass become overrun with zombies, completely changing mm. the gameplay and story. What if that did happen? What if GTA 4... Wait, what would it give GTA 4 new life beyond its minor expansions? What other game could do this sort of thing? Thank well, you for the letter, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Uh, well, two things. First, for my knowledge, because I am wow illiterate, what is the Cataclysm expansion? Okay. Cataclysm is uh, basically the third expansion for World of Warcraft, and what it's going to do is it's going to uh, kind of it's going to kind of rebuild the whole world in a way where it's like they're taking a lot of uh, Al. You're probably better at explaining this than I am, but uh, I know they're taking a lot of a lot of uh, certain zones and reforming them. It's all supposed to be like story driven. I think like this dragon or something is supposed to come out from underneath the earth or whatever, Definitely. or underneath the landmass, and it basically you know causes land shifting and changing and stuff so uh certain zones like uh one of the most popular zones in or one of the most well-known zones in world of warcraft is the barons which is kind of the the horde hub for early levels uh that is basically going to be completely overhauled and split into two zones because of a giant canyon or whatever that's supposed to like rip through there um and uh other zones that were like uh dead or barren will also become lush with life and become like overgrown with forest uh forestry um and, uh, yeah, stuff like that. So kind of they're just changing a lot of zones over, and it's going to kind of, in a way, give give the zones that were old uh, a new look and appeal to revisit them. Um, I think that'll also maybe introduce new quests into older zones to get people to go back into them. Because what happened with each uh, subsequent uh, uh, expansion from the original game is that the players who had stuck with it from the beginning would get, like, most of the players on World of Warcraft have gone through all that original stuff and moved on to the newer areas which are separate from the mainland. So you have these empty stretches of land that aren't being used in the main area of the game. Um, so I think this is kind of uh, Blizzard's way of getting people to kind of repopulate that area oh, and kind of spread I themselves see. out again okay. so that maybe if there are new players coming in, they'll you know actually run into people. <laughs> right, right. I got you. Yeah, you pretty much got it, Pete. Okay. I feel um, like... Uh, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that um, just in terms of the question, there are a couple of MMOs that I've actually been reading about that I'm surprised about that are doing things that are unlike this, but they're kind of uh, giving themselves a rebirth that produces a lot of activity as well. And I'll discuss that in, you know after when it's my time. <laughs> your time. It's your time. It's your no, time. It's, also, it's your time to shine. Okay, it's also it's time to shine. I'm baritone. I'm Al. What? Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Um. Well, this wouldn't be um from a WoW perspective, obviously, since I don't uh I don't play WoW and I'm not familiar enough with it. But just from an any game perspective, like you brought up GTA Three, right? Um. Four. Uh, GTA Four. four sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. Completely changing the gameplay and story. I mean. It's 
it, it, it reminds me of the whole total conversion and modding uh, trend of Doom and Quake and all that stuff, you know? You take old right. content and you, you redo it. Um, God, I'm trying to think of a, a concrete example, but I don't remember because I actually don't indulge in mods. But I know there's a huge community well, behind it. But I mean... You could just look at something like the original Half Life. Think game, uh, certain mods like for like opposing force and blue ship. Those were mods. Oh, oh yeah, Even yeah. Was exactly. A mod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great examples. Like yeah, I mean, though Counter Strike, I wouldn't count only because it seems to be taking the core engine and making something completely different. Whereas blue shift and opposing force well, yeah, the, are are taking yeah. the original thing and making it something like a a, a different story. Or, or right. this is the same setting. It's just keeping really, you in that world, just yeah, kind of like giving Crisis you a different Warhead. perspective on it. Yeah, kind of like Crisis Warhead, except not a separate package. Um, right. I mean, doesn't uh, I was gonna say doesn't the land lost in the damned and gay Tony do that? But they, it, yeah, it, it, it does in a it, way they do. Yeah, it does, but it also doesn't do something as extreme as what Sean Elliott said about you know zombies, like right. Because what's that? What that's doing is taking the original setting. And making it completely different, not from a like it, zombies are completely different from from regular GTA, but you're still kind of experiencing it within the confines of the GTA world, which is different than saying, okay, I'm going to take the GTA engine and make a mod called Left for Dead GTA, because that's basically taking the engine and making it not related to the old content anymore. Whereas what Sean Elliott's saying is saying, take the old content, but throw something random in it. So, yeah, I was gonna right. say, how about they take GTA Four and like make a LA Ryan's mod? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, like you know something so just happened and it's nighttime and everybody's like running around looting stores and stuff and being all violent and you have to do something. I don't know what that thing would be because it's not my job to determine that. Yeah, but that See, would be a funny like, idea. I think the good way to explain the differences is that like where Lost and Damned and uh, the Gay Tony is, it's it's like putting you in a different character but keeping the world the same whereas like what you just said Al or like what uh, Sean Elliott mentioned about the zombies it's like you're still in a sense uh, you it's assumed you're playing the same character and it's like you're changing the you're basically just changing the AI routines or the world around you to like give you a different experience going through the world you just went through right um so that's the major difference. Yeah, like something like that would actually be interesting because, like, it'd basically be like how people used to put in uh, the code in the old GTAs to make everyone riot. But <laughs> if it actually like was done uh, with the intent of making that more more of an actual experience rather than just a quick code to make you know all the AI routine just go nuts, uh, it, it could actually be interesting if they did actually do a like a riot thing. The original Halo. Uh... Have you replay through it as if the flood was infesting everything from the beginning, something like that. Yeah, even though well, or even cause... not even like that, but play through the original Halo as like a quote unquote sequel, where the flood has done whatever they do to that original world, and now uh... you're going through that original world again with a different goal. It's it's kind of like how they did all the worlds in Eternal Darkness. In that one game where you revisited the same world, but they look completely different. True. So, I should really play that game someday. It's a good should. game. I mean, I don't know if you'd end up liking it, but like, there's a lot of things that they do that are really cool. At the very least, everything I've heard about it sounds pretty cool. It's almost uh, like. But, uh, oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say it's also almost like Final Fantasy VI, where halfway through the game, the entire world gets destroyed, yeah. 
and you have to go through the world. It's the same world, but now everything's in different places because of what happened to the world, and everybody's all in despair and right. stuff like that. And everyone loves that moment because it's such a like a game changing moment that you weren't expecting. Yep. Um, and like, just uh, I mean that that's all within the context of one game, and like that is like an awesome moment. But like, yeah, like games don't do that now. They just you know present their story and end it. And you know even their like all the DLC you get for games now is just uh, it's add ons to what you've already done, but not really. It's um, not a modification to what you've right. already done. <laughs> he was talking about Final Fantasy VI. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> you know, Kafka's destruction of the world. Yes, yes. I I, I lost uh, it there because I was reading something and I was like, wait, 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 I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote in the chat, what game were you just talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, Cataclysm is a good example of this because, like, and I think that's a perfect name for what their Blizzard is doing to WoW. Like, and like, yeah, just cataclysmic events happening to the world that you are so invested in and have already visited that completely overhaul the world. Um, like, trying to think, uh, if, uh, trying to think of things that could, else could do this, uh, games that I'm playing, like, um, I mean, right now I'm playing Dragon Age, and just, that's a game where they could pretty much, they could probably introduce anything into that, like, world and it would completely overhaul everything just the way like all the stories are intertwined and everything all they'd have to do, do I mean it would it would be a hell of a lot of work for BioWare but they cuz they'd have to probably rewrite uh dialogue scripting for everything but introduce mm. just one important character that could alter everybody else's story that could like completely change the way the game plays out Very or true. just throw in a whole bunch of zombies <laughs> yeah or just throw in a whole bunch of zombies <laughs> zombie zombies and anything zombie dragons I wanted to mention some or ninjas. MMOs that are doing things, and they're actually different things. Like, for example, I read that Star Wars Galaxies, remember that game? Yes. <laughs> Star Wars Galaxies apparently is celebrating, let me open up Steam, find out what it's celebrating. Celebrating? It didn't close down? No, they didn't. That's what I'm surprised about. Wow. They're celebrating like six years or nine years or something like that of, uh, of... Are they counting from the original Star Wars Galaxies? Yeah. That's um, kind of unfair. Because <laughs> the original Star Wars Galaxies no longer exists. Well, it's the same that was, Star Wars Galaxies. It's still the same. So but see, no, that was different thing. because, like, in a, in an example that, like, uh, for the, the topic at hand, it's kind of like you're taking a character that you've already played and invested in. That is the, like, the Star Wars thing is, like, the counter example of that because that was where a game was failing and they wiped everything to restart. True. Uh, like WoW's not wiping your character to <laughs> to do this Cataclysm expansion. If they did, oh my god, they that would, they, be, that would they cause would, riots. Would, yeah, ten million, <laughs> eleven million worth of riots. But um, yeah, this game. Oh, came you out were a Jedi Knight before. Too bad. You're going to be working behind the Cantina bar. Oh, <laughs> uh, June twenty sixth, two thousand and three, came out. So they're celebrating six years, and they have on on uh, Steam the Star Wars Galaxy's complete online adventures. It has like what um one, two, three, four. And a trading card game. Four expansions in a trading card game. And <laughs> all this for nine ninety nine. Yeah, you know why? Card. It's like, oh, it's Steam sale. Get it now before it goes out of business. No, this yeah. is, this is <laughs> what it is. Now, mind you, they expect... Because they don't want to go out, they don't want to go out of business. <laughs> they experienced a resurgence of gameplay oh, yeah? in this game. Because they allowed players to create their own missions. 
kind of like in City of Heroes, but mm. basically you use uh, an in-game tool to construct a mission, a storyline, and whatnot, and you get a reward, or an actual like rare reward that you couldn't get in the regular game by completing a subquest. Mm-hmm. And they said that, like, I think a million or something like that, a, a million side quests have been made in a month or two months or something like that since they've brought out this program. And it's funny because there's only 100,000 players. <laughs> so people are just making, like, 100 quests of just, you know, go talk to this guy. No, no, no. Go I think that they're, they're actually intricate quests. That's the thing. It's not like a simple uh, one-step quest. Apparently one guy made 6,000 quests already by himself. Jesus. Uh, and, and that shows, like, their dedication. But it's also kind of game-changing. But... Does, does he have a does he have a neck beard? Is... <laughs> Sorry, I'm um, so, gonna get flamed. What, what that could possibly do, if it was actually a game worth saw, is you know bring people <laughs> into the game, or bring people who played the game like me, who still own the original CDs, to you know throw those CDs in the computer, or maybe just spend the ten dollars and get all the expansions or whatnot. Wow, but PC it, games on physical you media. Own... Do you own the original CDs or do you own the uh, the the relaunch CDs? Man, I bought that game when it first came out. Because the original CDs system. don't work anymore. I own the original CDs and I have to throw them out because after the relaunch, those CDs no longer work. Nice. Whoa. Uh, next time I see them, I'm going to make sure I break them. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to break them for a long time. Mic- microwave them. <laughs> make microwave art. Um, oh, and then another game. Well, they're not really doing anything. I think that they – what they did was they just shrunk the servers. But uh, Funcom and – Age of Conan, they're like begging <laughs> people to come back on. They're like, uh, you know, come back on and you'll get double experience and you get to play free for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I've read that email deleted. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get those emails from like all sorts of random MMOs I played, like Warhammer and uh, Dungeons and Dragons Online and obviously, yeah, Conan and stuff. Uh, and those are all just like, you know, for uh, I'll pause on it for a second and be like, I guess I can go play for, like, if it's a free weekend, I'll be like, I can go play for a couple days. And I'm like, no, why would I waste my time? Mm-hmm. So I delete it. But see, uh, MMOs are a good example of where these things could work because people love, like, world events and MMOs. Oh, yeah. So they could, like, if, they, if I got an email saying that, like, there's going to be an alien invasion in Conan, I probably would go check that out. I don't know. Uh, alien invasion in Conan? <laughs> Think about it. I don't know. I'll just give it an example. I'd be I pretty fucking know. ridiculous, but I love ridiculous, so I would totally go check it out. <laughs> It'd be aliens and loincloths. No, they should. They, they should get like. They should like get a big uh, character model of Wilt Chamberlain and put it and drop him in the game to 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 um to replicate Conan. What was it? Conan the Destroyer that he was in. The second Conan movie that Wilt Chamberlain was. in. Yeah, that would probably be the, yeah Conan the Destroyer. Oh my God. Yeah, I've slept with ten thousand women and destroyed eleven thousand. I'm in your game, <laughs> bitch. Um, yeah. So that that was my uh, input on that. I I don't really think that um a an offline game could really benefit from a a world changing thing unless it was like uh and this would probably require some technology like you know more of an interaction between the disc and the hard drive kind of technology. But having a game that came out, say, three years ago, and instead of bringing out a sequel, sort of, of sorts, yeah. but bring out an expansion to the original game that ch- completely changes its original world, 
Yeah, I was going to say. And adds yeah. new content. But technically, you know, you have the original disc or whatnot. Right. But you wouldn't be able to play the original game unless... Like, I just actually thought of a great example to kind of... Mm-hmm. Maybe help solidify your example, your your idea there. Okay, uh, imagine the original Fable. Instead of jumping to Fable mm-hmm. Two, what if, what if they did release an expansion now where it took your character, like it basically would, you know, you wouldn't be playing your same game. You would take your final save state of your character, or whatever, and make them, like, if you were uh, good or evil, or whatever, and make them like ruler of the land, and it would completely change the way the land, uh, like that land mount. What is it called? Uh, what's it called in Fable? Albion. I'm playing it. Albion, okay, yeah, it would completely change Albion to either be, like, reflective of how you were. Like, if you were bad, then, like, yeah. you know, the world is completely destroyed, and you're going through and having to, like, slog Dude, your way through, like, hordes of creatures and stuff. and like would be awesome. Good. Mm-hmm. And it would yeah. all be procedural, because it's based on how you played the game before. Exactly. Like, and that would totally, I think something like that would totally get people to, like, get way back into the original Fable. Like, Lock. obviously, that would not be in Lionhead's best interest, um, unless they could sell you that expansion for a full retail price. Uh, but that would be a good way to revitalize old games. Right. I was but just unfortunately, say, it's, it's, it's not that easy to do with right. a game that's offline. Right. I, I was just going to say, any any type of expansion that or, or DLC that instead of... um, How to put this? Instead of adding new stuff on top, revisiting the old stuff and again maybe maybe what that means is that they reuse the same old code on like inside the downloadable maybe the downloadable is big whatever whatever method that they use to do it like whether it be for a single player game or an mmo or whatever they they, they just re they just instead of coding new content they code the old content in a new way so right again like technology wise like just slapping on a patch would be kind of difficult but if they decide to like release a discount disc like for 40 dollars and say this is a because I mean, before live was so prevalent and before it was so convenient, like I mean, they released expansions on consoles just as new discs. You know, it was yep. just the new disc. It was the same thing, new disc, and any game where you take the original stuff and change it up. Because I think there's there are two different appeals. One appeal is for hey, new undiscovered stuff, and the other appeal is hey, this stuff that I'm so familiar with. How does it change, and how do I have to change my way of thinking based on how I used to play it? So as long as you satisfy that. Um, I think I think it definitely could be successful. Now, whether or not that satisfies the question of revitalizing an old entry of a franchise to start playing the old content again, I don't know because, like you, you know, like you guys are are, are fully well aware, something like WoW is is totally different than a regular single player game. WoW is a consistent, persistent world with the same things in it, and then when people drop out, people want to lure them back into that same persistent world. Where if you're buying an expansion that's a second disc. For forty dollars, it's not technically the same thing. So I don't know. Well, for a while, what they're actually doing is they're um, that persistent world is actually going to change permanently. Right. So they actually go back to the old way that, uh, like all these zones that are changing, those things are gone. Right. Which I actually wanted to make a comment about. Um, I think that what wow, I mean, like this is just a side comment that I think would be a good idea for Blizzard to do. It's like if they really want to just pick up whoever is not yet playing WoW for some weird reason, they could release that original world as, like, you know, World of Warcraft Classic or something as a free-to-play MMO. And then, you know, you can only get up to... You can just do all the original content only and only get up to level 60 and then, like... Or maybe even not even that. Maybe they limit it to 30 or something like that. And then you... If you want to get into the Cataclysmic expansion, then you, you know, you uh 
switch to the pay to play, you know, the, the subscription model, and uh, they can transfer your character in or something like that. I, I, I think that would be a good idea because, you know, maybe someone like Austin would actually be willing to try WoW if it was free. Oh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> well, not it was free for 10 it. days, but he wouldn't play. It's, it's, a con- it's a conceptual thing. Yeah, it's not about but if free he, or not. It's it, about, but if like, you knew you could play it for free for as long as you wanted, like all that original content or something, you don't think you would try it? Like, because nope. then you'd be like, "Well, I don't. I'm not paying for it, so I don't have to rush through everything." No, nope, it's not. It's not the freeness. It's and it's not certainly not the quality because I'm sure it's a fine game. It's just not. It. it, it they're two oppo- kind of diametrically opposing factors to this. Well, on the one hand, it's like it's a type of thing where I know if I get into, I will be. Comp- completely addicted to it because of how it's persistent and how it can continually be updated and personally i want to be able you know i I don't have the willpower for this but i want to be able to break free so i could do other so i can play other things right so that's on the one hand on the completely other extreme other hand i kind of refuse to play anything that almost relies on me having to sync up with other people and even though you can type kind of play wow by yourself is that really you know are you really going to enjoy that single player thing? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like me playing Call of Duty Four. Like I'm playing through it for the single player, but the fact that like I'm really not investing myself in the multiplayer, I kind of sit back and think, "Wow, did I really waste my money here?" Which I didn't because I think I got it at a lower price. But like, had I got it at the outset, that's why I didn't get it at the outset because I knew the single player was really short, and to get the full benefit of it, I'd have to dive into something that I'm. I'm against the principle of simply because I don't like relying on other people. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that it. Again, it's not a judgment on its quality. It's just not my thing. So that's why I wouldn't try well. All right. Well, uh, just very quick then to finish up. I was. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that uh, as someone who you know is into WoW and stuff, mm-hmm. I've never actually gotten through all the original <clears throat> content. So Blizzard should totally take my idea so I can actually get through that <laughs> stuff. You know what I think they're gonna do though. I think that they're they're not going to throw away the original content. They're probably going to come up with some excuse to allow people to get back into the original content. Like maybe, oh, uh, yeah, the world is destroyed and everything, but we created this portal that brings you back in time to when the, the Cataclysm <laughs> didn't exist, and you can still do <laughs> Goblin Time Machine. And then you'll be the only person in this world because you were the only person in this world before the Cataclysm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, well, I think we've shot this horse enough times and it's flat out. Um, Shoot it so, like Max Payne shooting someone coming out of the bathroom. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to end this segment, have a little break, you know, some cupcakes and pre-orders. And we're going to... Uh, what you been playing, son? Welcome back. The cupcakes were great. Thank you. The pre-orders were unfulfilling. Mm, uh, that, that they were. Now <laughs> on to uh, our next and final segment of the day. We're keeping it short today, but uh, our segment is called What You Been Playing, Son? And this is where we talk about what we've been playing, son, since the last time we had our podcast. And I'm going to just start off by 
you know, throwing it off to Mr. Pete Felucci Jr. Yo, man, what you been playing, son? Okay, uh, I, I will promise to do this quick. Um, uh, since the last time we've talked, I've played Modern Warfare 2 oh. and um, Assassin's Creed 2 oh. and a whole lot more Dragon Age 2. Um, <laughs> yes, 2. <laughs> Uh, so Modern Warfare 2, uh, I'm not going to obviously go into any spoiler stuff, but by now I'm pretty sure everyone knows the thing, right? Nope. You guys know anything about Modern oh, Warfare fuck. 2, but are you, are you talking I won't about get it until next year anyway. Yeah, I'll be very vague. Are you talking about the segment that involves a location in many metropolitan areas? Oh, wait, are you talking about the, uh, the thing with the, 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 the ornithoptic things, except they're not birds, they're main machines and they have wings? And they fly out of these locations. And yeah, you, and yeah. then people yes. go in there and they actually... Yes, I'm talking about the airport and the terrorists. <laughs> yes, I heard about it only because a friend of mine said that he went into the airport and like shot up a whole bunch of people. And he said, this yeah. game is not for kids. <laughs> so I just want to say, because I, I think anybody listening to this podcast will have heard about this on... Because every other podcast has been talking about yeah. it. Before like, you go this on, is one thing... Before you go what? on, I, I said mm-hmm. before you go on, I just want to say that because I completely don't care about stories and first-person shooters giant bomb had the modern warfare 2 podcast and i listened to oh it. i didn't hear no i don't, don't talk, i didn't no, i'm hear not it. gonna say anything i'm just saying that i okay. listened to the whole thing and it didn't bother me at all like the, the fact okay. that everything was spoiled i like intentional was just like i want to spoil this because i'm not gonna play modern warfare 2 for the story oh. <laughs> so. i'm not really playing for the story either but i still like to be oh, surprised no totally mm. understood like, totally understood i i, I apparently I I just didn't care. Apparently, everybody knew already that the airport scene was in there, and at at the time of my playing, I thought it was still just a rumor. So when oh, it actually came up, I was like, okay. "Oh my god, it's actually in the game." Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah. For just a quick recap, the it's you are an American undercover agent. Uh, spoiler with, vampire. Yeah, spoiler vampire. Gonna suck your fun <laughs> out. Cool. Um, <laughs> so you're undercover with uh, this Russian terrorist cell and next to like whoever the main Russian terrorist guy is and you start the level coming up in an elevator and uh, they the elevator doors open and it's an airport and they go out and start blasting everybody. Um, now, oh, that was, uh, this, is, like, this is like the first level in the game, right? No, it's the third level. Oh, okay, okay. Was that in the, um, in the trailer which, or the commercial? Yeah, it is the the sounds from the trailer because there is the elevator sounds and then you hear like the screaming and stuff mm-hmm. in the trailer. That is what is in the trailer. Uh, so I just want to say that this, as far as I can recall, this is the first time in a video game where I've actually felt disgusted. Like, Mm. as soon as it started happening, my stomach turned and I felt horrible. Like, I thought, like, when I knew it was going to pop, when I thought it was a rumor that was going to be in the game and stuff, I thought I was like, wow, it's really ballsy for, you know, Infinity War to, you know, go for this and Mm -hmm. be willing to take this kind of chance and everything. But when it actually played out, I was like, yeah, I kind of wish they hadn't done this. Um, And everyone I've heard on podcasts talking about it talks about how most people try to go through the beginning of the level without shooting anybody. Right. They kind of just watch this massacre take place, and then it starts out in the actual airport. You know, people are getting gunned down, civilians, and, like, uh, airport security. Uh, once you get out of the airport to the runway area, you start getting to heavily armed uh, forces and stuff, like mm-hmm. security forces, SWAT teams, things like that. And from what I heard in most podcasts, people have said, you know, once you get to there, because you're getting, you're actually being shot at by these uh, security forces, you're going to shoot back, and you kind of really don't have a choice. You have to shoot to get right. to this level. And if you don't shoot, the terrorist guy will turn around and, you know, realize you're a traitor or whatever, or a double agent, and kill you. Wow. 
So, I did not know any of this stuff, obviously, because I hadn't listened to any podcast before this happened. This was all this this whole thing was kind of like a surprise for me and stuff. Uh-huh. So, like, I watched this massacre take place, and I felt absolutely disgusted. And I just walked through the level, following these guys, watching this happen. And when you get to the outside the runway stuff, when it's the actual more like the SWAT teams and armored forces and stuff, <clears throat> uh, I started dying a lot. But at that point in the level, I had told myself, I am going to make it through this level without firing a single fucking bullet. Mm. And I managed to do so. Oh, wow. Um, you got to, they, they didn't turn on you? No. As long as you are <clears throat> staying with them and trying to actively participate in some way, I did have to throw flat, some flash grenades. Okay. Um, I see. But, you know, those are technically non lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to pick up a riot shield and kind of keep, like, getting in the line of fire and, uh, like I would get close to one of the uh, the security forces and then back away so that they would kind of chase me a little bit, uh-huh. um, and get them into an area where like the AI of the terrorists would take them out. And so through many trial and errors and just repeated attempts of constantly dying and like trying again, I was able to constantly keep pushing through the check. It's kind of like the old school playing Call of Duty on veteran, where you just kind of have to keep pushing checkpoint yeah. to checkpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of what I did through this level, and I made it to the end of the level. And I am going to spoil the end of the level if you don't know. It's uh, you get skip ahead at, twenty seconds. <laughs> no matter what happens at the end of the level, the terrorist guy does turn around and shoot you because the whole thing was they wanted to implicate an American as being the cause of this <laughs> terroristic action, right, right, so that yeah. Russian R- Russia will then declare war on America. Right. Um, my whole problem with this not only Shepherd. did I feel disgusted through the whole thing, but I was proud of myself for getting through it without firing yeah. a bullet. And then I was upset that that happened at the yeah. end. <laughs> but You're like, I did that for the whole thing. thing, the whole thing that bothered me about this is that this is so fucking crazy of a concept. There is no way. At least I would like to hope that there's no way that our government would la- allow this to happen to get to the point. Like, no matter how mu- undercover an agent is, to actually allow a terroristic action to happen is fucking a ridiculous concept to me. Where this was in the the airport was in Russia. Yeah, uh, the airport was in Russia because they they wanted the uh, uh, now uh, skip again. Uh, <laughs> they wanted they wanted the Russians to feel like America has attacked them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, two things I want uh, two things one question and one statement. The question is, what if you just kind of fired bullets at nothing? Like if you fired in a general direction but didn't actually hit them, do you think that would work? Too? I've heard someone, I've heard someone say that, uh, and I think they said that worked for them. But I just, you, I refused right. to fire a single bullet. Okay, I guess I see. Uh, and the state, like that was my own personal achievement for that game. That should have right. been an achievement. That should have been an game. actual achievement. Yeah, yeah. Because that's something. The problem that is I think they didn't earn. They they could have made it a zero point <laughs> achievement. The the problem is they they say right at the beginning of the game, do you want to? There's a there's a chance that a scene in this game could disturb you. you could do you want to skip it? Yeah. And it says that skipping it will not affect your achievements or oh. you know gaming gaming score in any okay. way. Fair enough. So they yeah. couldn't tie any achievements to fair. that particular That's level. That's fair. At least they had a disclaimer too. Or or if you yeah. skip the level, you still get the achievement because you didn't fire a single bullet, right? You skipped it. Right. I yeah. <laughs> um. And I was getting really pissed. My girlfriend was getting scared because it was so hard to get through that without firing a bullet. And I can understand why no one else, like, as to who has talked about it, has been able to do it because they probably just weren't willing to try to do it, like, to be that persistent. And, like, I just, yeah, I I was so physically sick that I could not bring myself to pull that trigger. Right. <laughs> um, which I guess in a way is, you know, effective storytelling because, like, That's I can't what they're remember. That's they're going I've, for, yeah. 
Yeah, I can't remember the last time I felt an emotion that strong in a video game. Um, I do, in the end, though, wish that they had shown a little restraint or had approached that in a different way because I don't like the the story wrapped around that like that the particular uh, level. And speaking of story, the game, someone else said on our podcast about how disjointed the game is. Yeah. That is the third mission, and the two missions before it are completely disjointed from it, and then mm. the missions after it are pretty much disjointed from it. So the like like any Call of Duty game, it jumps around, but at least Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare felt like it had a, a semblance of a, of a strung-together storyline. This one brings it back to like where it just, it, it just feels like random event after random event. Right. Um, so the single player is not that appealing to me, but the multiplayer is fucking awesome. Um, I'm absolutely glad I got it. It's a game I know I'll be playing for a long time, even though I got it on 360 and I prefer my FPSs on PC. Yeah. But uh, even on 360, I'm, I'm having a blast with it. So, uh, yeah, I'll be playing that for a long time. And just to... <laughs> Just to go into real quick the other uh, stuff I've been playing, um, like I said, I played a lot more Dragon Age. Uh, I, I won't really get into that. I'll have to save that for another time when I have more time to talk about it. But uh, that game I'm also absolutely loving. I love that so much that it actually it has kind of taken precedence over Modern Warfare 2, huh. which I am pretty much an FPS person first and foremost. So for another game to keep me away from it is actually quite an accomplishment, and right. I'm totally hooked on it. It has its shortcomings. The... Uh, the graphics are actually pretty bad in the game. Really? Uh, other people have talked about this. I didn't mention it the first time I talked about it, but it looks pretty crappy, um, especially even compared to something like Oblivion, which is like four years old now, five years old, something like that. Like, I think Oblivion was a better-looking game in terms of its environment than uh, than Dragon Age. now, I see. But if you're somebody who plays games for story and uh, loves, like, classic RPG games, uh, like the Boulder's Gate and stuff... This is, you know, this is perfect for you. Why? I still, I still need to play that first. Yeah, and I um, still have Icewind Dale, and I never opened it. I still have to play that. <laughs> uh, and then just to to wrap it up with Assassin's Creed Two real quick. Um, I I think I've played about halfway through the game, and okay. yeah, I I've been busting my ass out playing it because of uh, giant bombs when the when an Assassin's Creed uh, limited edition hoodie, um, which. Uh, by the time people hear this, will be over, which is good because I don't want any extra competition in that. <laughs> uh, but basically, for each achievement you get in the game, if you have your achievements tied to your giant bomb account, you get uh, an entry into their contest. Gotcha. Um, so uh, I was like, I, I basically been I played probably for uh, sixteen hours or more straight yesterday. Wow. Um. So yeah. Uh. And. Everyone is talking about how they think it's a much better game than the first one. I'm going to be the one to say that I, so far, I like the first game better. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the setting of the first game better. I like the presentation of the assassinations better, where each one is segmented and its own little like event in and of itself. This is, and it's weird for me to say this because I'm a story-oriented person, but this is more a story-oriented game where it's like you have a reason to be going to kill the the people that you're going to kill. I mean, maybe I. I it might change where it might be like, okay, now here's these five targets you gotta go kill. But right now, it's like you're going through a series of events that are t- like leading you to, okay, you have to go kill this person because of what has happened in this series of events that correlates to your life, uh, or the you know the assassin, the the ancestral assassin in the game, mm-hmm. uh, Ezio. Ezio's um, life. Yeah, so it's much more wrapped up in like this person has a reason for doing what they're doing as opposed to Altier in the first game, which was just like. You're oh, a uh, master in the first. 
Yeah, your match in the first game was just like, all right, I need you to go kill this guy now. Okay, you're back. Okay, now go kill this person, which <laughs> you probably have no idea why you're going to kill, but well, just go kill them. there is a reason, technically. Yeah. It's not I like mean, they did something to you. Right. right. Uh, in this one, it is that they've done something to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and... Personally, he tried to I kill like... my father. Say where he tried to kill your father. He tried to kill my father. <laughs> I think the game looks good. I mean, uh, and it it's more kind of expansive so far, or at least it seems more expansive in the locales because it's kind of traversing different areas across all of Italy. Um, and I mean, obviously, the first game uh, was like spread out areas that they like kind of mashed into one cent. Like they kind of like move like wrap their hands around these cities and pull them all together. Um, uh, but in this one, it's actually the, the cities, the locations in Italy are actually spread out amongst Italy where they should be. And it just fast travels you between cities. You don't have to go across countryside or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes Thank it better God. in a sense, but I like the visual aesthetic of the cities in the first game. I thought they were much more appealing. I might just like that medieval like architecture better mm-hmm. than, uh, than, than this stuff. Um, but overall, the game is still the essential gameplay mechanics and everything are still the same, and it's still just awesome, like running around these environments and uh, experiencing this world. So, uh, I'm gonna end it there. And next time, if we have more time, I'll try to go more in depth into some of these games. But I'll pass it off to Austin. Uh, let's Keep see. Keep playing, son. I... <laughs> Yo, man. No one playing, son. I play some mad shit. No, I um. I gave up on Scribblenauts. I tried to play it in the airport today while waiting for my flight, and I'm 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 done with that. I'm I'm really just done. I haven't even I, I I'm on world, what is it four, and I, I'm done with the physics. I'm done with the crappy controls. I'm done with the fact that you can solve almost everything with jetpack rocket, or or rope. <laughs> yeah, jetpack, jetpack rope. laser. And I and I'm done with the fact that it almost has to come down to that because anytime you try to get creative, it doesn't work. And it's 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 just you know the more and more I play it, the more and more disappointed in it I am. Like the more I play it, the fewer. Well, we don't have stars, but we have boxes <laughs> on our website. The fewer boxes I would give it. It's like right. It went from a four out of five to a three out of five. Right now, it's sitting at a two. And if I keep on going, it's certainly going to hit zero because it's just it's ten. It's going to be ten worlds filled with all the stuff, and I just know it. Maybe I shouldn't be assuming this, which is why I'm not going to review it. But I mean. It went from one world of innovation to two worlds of, uh, to a third <laughs> world of, of, of really? Do I really want to keep playing this? To like world four, which is like, all right, that's it. It's it's just going downhill from here. There's no. I'm pretty sure world four is about where I gave up too. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, everyone's like, oh, the start menu is where it, where it's all fun. You know, it's the only fun part of the game. You know what? I've got, I've gotten bored with that too. Like I yeah. I, I put a UFO, an alien, a whale, a giant, and like a devil in the same place. The devil started fighting the giant, and the UFO was just sitting there, and they're just like, I, I'm sitting there going like, well, this, you know, this isn't fun. The alien's not and doing the, anything. The whale's, I you think, know, not flopping around. What's the point? So just shut it off. I, I think the problem is there's not enough interactions between the items you you spawn. Like, there's not enough interactive oh, choice. Like, God. you can spawn, you know, a, uh, just an example, a caveman and a piece of meat, and... Like the caveman will eat the meat, but there's no other real options there. Like you can't like uh, you can't like pick up the meat and slap him with it or something. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> just just it's a real really random quick example. But that's what I mean. It's like that each thing kind of have has its one interaction with the item, and that's it. Like you don't have choice. It, I, so I, it's like it's, no matter it's, what you spawn, uh, it's going to repeat itself. 
it's something where, and I think Matt Chandranet said this on co-op, I don't, I don't want them to give up on this idea, but they really need to get it right if they're going to put it out at all. Like, it's, it's such a great idea that, that it lends to even more disappointment when it becomes disappointing. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my god. You know, if it was just something that came out of the blue, I was like, oh, this is novel. Oh, wow, this is cool. Oh, wow, it's disappointing. Okay, it's disappointing. But it's like, I look at the idea and I'm like, oh my god, this could be so much fun. Oh my god, this is really, really boring. Reminds me of it, Sims. It, it... I used to be all up. I was like, the Sims, yo, it's the Sims. Oh my god, you're not All I ended up doing is... And then the game came out and I was like, oh, look at that. It's like, oh, look, yeah. all, all I'm really doing is building a wall around this guy and like watching him die. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and yeah. same thing with Spore. Yeah, so today was my last hurrah with Scribblenauts, and I'm probably going to be giving that away or, or, or selling it back or something. I, I ugh. Um, so when I was on the plane and I, you know, had my intermittent, intermittently accumulative, cumulative uh, 10 hours of sleep in between that when I woke up, um, I tried to play New Super Mario Brothers because of all the uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii fervor that's been going around. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy that because A, I have too many games to play and two, I'm not going to have the time to play them. So why should I have the time to play this? And Roman numeral three, uh, I'm, I don't have anybody to play with because I'm not home enough to play it with anybody. So I was like, I'm not going to buy that. But I was like, I need a Mario fix. So I went back to New Super Mario Brothers to try to find the alternate paths. And I, for the life of me, I cannot. I really cannot. Like, there were some places where you use the mini mushroom to get to pipes that you couldn't get to before. And I got those. Those didn't help. Those just gave me extra coins. And I'm like, uh, 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 uh. Wait, you're talking about the one for the DS? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one's easy. I got all that stuff. Well, good for you. Good for you. Aren't you, aren't you, <laughs> aren't you glad that you play games for a living? I'm like looking at this I'm like how do I get the world 4 I have a cannon that goes to 5 how do I get the 1 to 4 and then I went back and I'm like trying to figure this stuff out I'm like I can't can't figure it out there's turbulence on the airplane I'm just gonna go to sleep sleep. (laughs) and then when I woke up again I played a little bit more of Final Fantasy 3 like about an hour and a half of it Um, I hadn't touched it since like uh, I want to say February maybe even more than that because I went to beat Kraken, and um, I went through this whole dungeon and gained like a whole bunch of levels. Fought him, he killed me, so I lost basically an hour of progress. And I'm just like, <laughs> and so I threw the DS. Like I threw it on the bed because I I was so angry, but I didn't want to break it, so I just threw it against the bed. And then I turned it off, and I never touched it again. And Sounds I was like airplane. me in the last level. Yeah, except you got totally screwed over by that. Yeah. But this time, like I, I did a, like about half an hour of grinding. Then I went back in there, and I was just like super careful with what I did. And like I beat him, and it, it took all my restraint to not like pump my fist and go like really loud in the airplane. So, <laughs> oh, that reminds me, I also did play in flight Tetris and in flight Bejeweled, <laughs> the plane that we are on. Like it had it had a screen in front of us for movies and stuff, but you could take out the um, you could take out the control that was in the armrest and turn it sideways to make it like a Super Nintendo controller. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. On the other side of it, there was a cell phone. <laughs> but um, but yeah, with that controller, you could play stuff like Bejeweled and Pac-Man. Oh, I played that too. And Sudoku and yeah, a whole bunch of casual games. But the fact that they were there was cool enough. And you know, I heard that there was Super Mario World on Virgin Atlantic like way back in the day. So I'm like, I was like looking for that, but I couldn't. You know, they they obviously didn't have that. It was it was kind of lowbrow, but it was it was still interesting. But um, I think uh, I I think what I'm gonna try to do is finish out Final Fantasy three for for good. And, and, and try to try to get to the end of that. Um, Work hard at the been, end. Yeah, I know. Get, get, really get everything point. in the in the in the last dungeon and then leave and then save and then go back and to save. Again. Yeah, 
But yeah, that's all I've been really playing. I've actually really been wanting to play Call of Duty 4 on Wii. I know that sounds retarded because I already have the PC version. But I think that goes to show how much I enjoy the control scheme of the Wiimote and Nunchuck for shooting. Like, Conduit... <sighs> okay, so that game is poorly designed. So that, you know, that kind of overshadows the controls. But, like, the, 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 the core act of pointing and shooting, for me, is the most fun on that platform of any platform. PC is better, but the Wii is more fun, if that makes any sense. Makes fun. Makes fun. Makes sense. Makes fun. <laughs> like, I'm definitely, like, if you if you were to put drop me in a game and told me to do as best as I can with both of the platforms, I'd definitely do much better on PC. And I'd definitely be more satisfied because of that. But if I'm just, like, you know, just trying to play and just trying to have fun and shoot stuff, like, the Wiimote and Nunchuck is the most fun for me. Probably just because it has that stupid sensation of, oh, look, I'm pulling a trigger with, oh, look, I'm pointing my gun, you know, <laughs> as opposed to... Yeah, I'm pulling a trigger, but I'm thumbing the stupid analog stick that is completely incompetent and shouldn't be used for first-person shooters. Oh, wait, I'm becoming biased. I'm sorry. Or the mouse, where it's just like, this is the most accurate thing in the place of this earth, but I'm pressing a button. That doesn't feel anything like a gun. So, you know what I mean? It's it's kind of like a happy medium. So uh, That's it for me. Oh! What I've been playing, son, Word. is uh, Final Fantasy Seven. Word. Minimilla Disc 2. Word. Um... Almost done. I could technically probably sick. just um, go through the rest of the game and finish in about five hours. Because I think I'm like off course. Three hours into the game. Off course. This guy are sick. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of deciding or determining whether I want to actually get some things that'll make the end of the game easier. But um, adamantium. Trophy. It all depends on how much time it takes. Yeah. I don't so, have um, enough time. I gotta go to the Home Depot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that is going very smoothly, about 32 hours. And uh, when I'm home, I'm now playing Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've been playing for about 10 hours now. Yeah. And I'm honestly still in the beginning of the game because I'm just kind of caught up with doing side quests and running around Citadel doing stuff. Yep. Same thing happened to me. <laughs> uh, but I did get all of the squad members, so I at least proceeded that far into the game. But yep. um, it was funny, because the first time I left the Citadel and I was going around the systems, uh, I landed on a planet, answered a distress call, and it was the very first time I like landed on a planet, so I was kind of like scared. Because I, I, <laughs> I always, like, I, I'm afraid of... Um, Space travel game, sort of like ever since I was a kid, there was a there was an EA game for Genesis called Starflight, and I I was definitely afraid of playing that game. I I couldn't even like get through the first ten minutes of it because that infinite space and not knowing what <laughs> what what awaits you and alien races and shit like that 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 all kind of gets me. And Sounds similar to my irrational fear of video game water. <laughs> no, I have I have a fear of that too. That's why I can't play Echo. Um, and and I also have a fear of falling in video games, falling long distances. But I I managed to stomach it in games like Metroid. But it really makes me turn my head away from the screen when you're just like constantly falling. Um, but anyway, uh, I landed on the planet and I was running around looking for the distress call and out comes this monster from the, the ground. 
and oh the thresher worm yes yeah. the thresher worm and it freaking spooked me I was just like ah and then I kind of <laughs> ran around I was and, and, and I had to calm myself down for a little bit I mean I wasn't like hysterical or anything but I completely did not expect something to come out of the ground and um, so now I'm like going through space and I'm like okay I know what to expect now. And we'll... Yeah, just to give you a heads up, those can pop up on other planets. Yeah, I know. They said that they're like everywhere because of they attach their eggs to spaceships and shit. Um, so I'm like, oh, great. So now I'll, I have to worry about those guys. But I've been doing pretty well, like having a lot of fun with that game. And No nightmares? Hmm? No nightmares of, of worms? No, I don't have nightmares of worms. Uh, but... I I find myself wanting to play it a lot, which is good. And so I also downloaded the uh, Bring Down the Sky patch, well, DLC, and I just installed it. But I'm not gonna probably play it until the first, uh, until the second playthrough. Um, well, I'll just probably just how, play it. How come? Oh, because I don't know if it's suitable for. Uh, it's it's suitable in the way that it's it's not going to like ruin anything for you if you play it's meant to be in it's meant to be a piece of content that is introduced through normal play in the middle of the game like while you're like just traversing space oh um, i thought it was um something that was like high level that's what i meant by it. i didn't know no no you can you can play it at any point that you can access it i'm not i, I haven't actually done it myself because once you get to a certain point in the game like a lot of content is no longer no longer accessible to you mm-hmm. so uh, for people who had beaten Mass Effect, they were kind of annoyed about the fact that, like, yeah, they had to start, uh, they had to play the game over to be able to explore the world again. Right. Um. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have the option to explore it, I would rec- highly recommend doing so. Oh, okay. And um, I'll do that. And I'll see if I people have been talking about like Pinnacle Station, but I don't know if that's available for PC. It technically should be, but I think it's for pay. For pay. I'm not actually sure. I mean, even though I'm playing the game technically, like I had been started playing the game again myself. Uh, obviously, it's been put aside for you know the games I'm playing currently. Uh, but I will go back to it because I want to have a fully leveled character for when Mass Effect Two comes out. Right. Um, I still don't actually have the DLC, uh, so I have no idea. Oh, what's up? Any... Apparently, they said um, Mass Effect Pinnacle Station for PC is out now. Um, oh, but you have to buy it. Yeah, EA store. Question for you while you look at that. Mm-hmm. How is the stability? Like, are, are Steam updates like keeping it patched? Because I know that the, the first the first run of Mass Effect on PCs, everyone was like, this shit is crashing on me. Every single time I try to play it, it's crashing on the desktop, yada, yada, yada. What is your experience with that? I've had no crashes. Um, I had really? a big problem with it because um, when I f- first started it, the game was running slowly, and then when I would get mm. to my first battle over on Eden Prime, it it was basically like one frame every 10 seconds. And mm. I was like, what the fuck wow. is this? I don't understand why it's doing that. And I've been just, I was looking at the forums, and I was trying a whole bunch of different things, and I found out that um, because of the shitty budget sound card that I have, turning on the <laughs> hardware acceleration for EAX completely destroys the game. Oh. So I, I turned it off, and it runs like fucking butter. I don't know how butter runs, but I turned on everything, and it runs better than it does with everything off. Right. And uh, I've had no crashes, no issues. The only other <clears throat> main minor issue that I've had 
was that it would minimize the desktop every like 20 minutes or every half hour. Oh, and weird. I was looking at that online, and it seemed to be related to AVG's update manager. So I turned it off before the I played the game, update, and I played virus, for like hours. The virus scanner. Yeah, the oh, okay. uh, the update for it. AVG gotcha. tends to fuck up a lot of games. Yeah, um, this is really the only game I've played on my PC for any length of time besides um, WoW, and WoW never mm. did that. So once I well, yeah. turned off the uh, the update manager, I- I've been playing Mass Effect for two, three, four hours straight. Well, I- I've awesome. only played for like two, three, four hours once or twice. So yeah, you know, I only have. We'll have to have a uh, a Bioware spooge episode where spooge. you talk all about Mass Effect, and I'll talk all about Dragon Age. That's gonna be sick. That, see, that that was the and Austin can go play Baldur's Gate. <laughs> that was the one thing that um, that was preventing me from buying Mass Effect was the stabi- questions about the stability. Um, but now that you say it's pretty good, I, I think I'm gonna dive into it, get it off of Steam whenever I can, which is probably not gonna be for another year. But you know, it wouldn't be for it wouldn't be for that reason. Mass Effect is enough of a like is it's is made in such a way where I actually prefer it on the console because it's. Not so much of like a tactical RPG where like you feel like I don't feel like I gotta like really be up close and like concentrate on things <laughs> like like Dragon Age. I wish I was playing on the PC because it can be pretty tactical. You know, like pausing every fight, figuring out your tactics, things like that. Whereas Mass Effect is kind of just like just chill back, relax, play through. Like I, I that is definitely more of like a couch RPG to me. So like I think playing it on 360 is fine. Like if you. Just you don't have to play it on PC, Austin. Just get a 360 copy. Yes, I copy. do. Yes, I do. I, oh, I'd rather right. I, I'd rather it run at 60 frames a second because I know it's going to run at 60 frames a second on my PC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, looks like the Pinnacle Station DLC is five dollars, which five dollars nothing. Uh, even though people are bitching about it. Single, but single, what single, I am single. nervous about is uh, whether it works with Steam properly. That's all. Mm. And it should. I could take the plunge. It's only five dollars, but um. Well, look up the hey, what's and... uh what's Steam's weekend deal? Steam's weekend deal I is think... frontline. Okay, I think this is gonna be a, a feature we start incorporating into the podcast where we tell people what deal they missed out on <laughs> because our podcast yeah. is gonna be on after the Steam weekend. Yeah, deal. which is why it's not going to be a feature. <laughs> I don't <laughs> ever get it up one time. Well, we could say, hey guys, guess what you missed out on. Frontline, Thrill of War, 35% off, $7.49. Go get it in the past. It's still not worth it. Yeah. You know, I looked at an ad today, just just to kind of wind things down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are too. Um, <laughs> Austin put a message in the chat, I'm out in five minutes. Uh, we gotta wind down. You gotta. This is like the after podcast yeah, cigarette. Yeah, the after podcast coffee and cigarette. Um, no coffee. I was watching an ad while I was watching. Uh, I think yeah, I was watching Cleveland Show with the Straight Outta Stuben rap, and um, I saw an ad for Left for Dead Two. And right before the ad for Left for Dead Two, I saw a logo for EA, and I was like, "What? EA?" <laughs> and uh, then I realized that EA distributed or published the game for Xbox 360, and I, mm-hmm. I just said to myself, "Wow, that's that's crazy." Because that game's gonna sell, and I didn't know that Valve uh, needed in a publisher for the 360 version. Because I know they publish their own stuff on PC. Uh, that's kind of weird. Well, Valve is one of the EA partners. True, but I didn't know that they needed EA to publish a game that they probably could have published themselves. You know? Yeah. Eh. 
But um, I just wanted to mention that, and uh, there really isn't anything else that I want to mention besides the fact that I should start playing uh, Assassin's Creed again so I can finish it, but I probably won't finish it until after I finish Mass Effect. So in other words, next year? No, I think I'm going to wind up finishing Mass Effect before the end of the year because I'm actually playing it every day for a good amount of time. I mean, I don't... Do you know how um, how long the... Like, if I was to just go through the story and not fool with the side quests... Oh, how much if you go to the story and not do any side quests, you can probably beat it in, like, less than a day. Um, but uh, you're you're really doing yourself a disservice to not do this. I mean, like... Now, I'm not saying all the planetary side quests, like where it's like go to this abandoned research facility and kill these geth, and that's it. Congratulations, you passed the mission. <laughs> but like, um, when you go to like the the main planets where they're, they're, the storyline is progressing, there's also side, you know, like kind of like the same thing with the Citadel. You go to the Citadel, and there's a whole bunch of people on the Citadel that have com- like side quests for you. Mm-hmm. When you go to the other planets that have the that where the main story goes, there will also be other side characters that have side quests. Those I would recommend doing. Um, but, uh, I mean, I did everything in the game my first playthrough. I mean, literally everything except for, uh, except for hacking the, uh, down probes because I didn't have a high enough electronics, electronic skill, but everything else I did. And it took me, uh, I want to say over 60 hours, probably maybe closer to 80, if I remember correctly, because I did it when it first came out, so I can't remember, but it was a long, long time. Um, but that was obviously spread out over like a couple months because I wasn't playing it. Like I wasn't able to play a lot all at once. And uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, go play it, and we should end because Austin's got to go because he's in Japan and tired. Yeah, and I'm in two twenty-four a.m. But um, what I'd like to uh, do at this point in time is uh, plug everything else. You know, we got mm-hmm. doctorfishypants.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, our good friend Brian Fishman getting married next year. You know, Doctor mm-hmm. Fish. Everything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, yeah, PD, where can we find you? Facebook.com slash Riven, R Y V V N. You can find me and my hair, as Austin would say, at xlm2k.blogspot.com. Even though I haven't made any updates in a while, that's okay. You can still visit my old stuff and make comments. Comments, yo! Comments! Hair, and, um, you know, trygames.net is your source hair, hair. for uh, some <laughs> video game reviews. I hair, guess. Hair, hair. And, and hair, um, hair. shut up! <laughs> And the, the, the trygames.net podcast. Uh, let's see. I don't even know what else. Email us. Mailbag. Email us. Yeah. Mailbag.trygames.net. Mailbag at trygames.net. You know, you can spell it mailbag like the mail you get downstairs in, in the box in front of your house. Or mailbag like <laughs> stuff that that dudes have. You get have, downstairs. That girls don't downstairs. have. Downstairs. Downstairs. Downstairs in front of the house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 and uh, I think that's all the plug-in that uh, we can handle for this Saturday. Is, am I right? Yes, Austin. What do you think? I, I, someone is talking to me, so I have to listen to her. I think that's it, I think that's <laughs> it for for uh, the, the the Pretoria. Buy and cupcakes. Uh, and Mr. Japanese cupcake. Are, are you yeah. there? Yeah, I think my sister's gonna kill me, so I'm I'm gone. Alright, All right, we're done. This is us and try games I did. I'm the answer for it.
The Sims, yo, it's The Sims. Oh my God, you know you play with The Sims, and now you guys play with the people in the city. Oh, look at that.